0: Welcome to the JCN Clinic Podcast show. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. And we have been absent for quite a few weeks so apologies for that but we've just been having a break.
1: Haven't you done podcasts? I did
0: one while you were gone. <laughs> oh, I like
1: I did one <laughs> I, think oh, I-, I feel like I haven't been on a podcast for a while so I'm like hopefully <laughs> shit's been happening but I haven't actually been checking on the apps or anything like
0: that we have dropped one, and then okay. there was another one that was meant to happen that didn't happen. So oh, I just okay. thought we'll have, a, right.
1: we'll have a little bit of a break.
0: But we good. are back. I've,
1: everyone knows that I've had a break, so
0: Ex- exactly. You, know, you can just breathe the zen through to me. Just breathe the zen through, <laughs> something
1: like that. <laughs>
0: So we're actually going to be diving into a couple of case studies again. We had quite a few that were sent through last time and these were sent through, um, I think, around the same time, yeah, and we just had flagged them because they were some extra interesting ones to unpack. So we do.
1: We've still got a few more after this as well, but yeah, chosen two today.
0: Chosen two. Sweet. So yeah, we'll go, we'll definitely start with one. We'll probably dive into number two like we did last time. And the idea is that we can share these cases with you and you guys can learn a, a lot about, not, I guess, the obviously these health conditions, you might relate to them, but we want to give you a sense of how we really get in and break these down from a case perspective and, and definitely how we look at things from diving in and finding that core at the JCN clinic. So i'm going to start with going through this first case from michelle so i'll read out her history Um, we've also got a bit more information which is great about diet and so forth but we'll start with her history here so essentially michelle is 39 years old and let me just go to here okay she was or i'll say in the ice um pretense because that's what she's written I was born without a thyroid congenital hypothyroidism is what they have classified me as so I am on thyroxine 200 micrograms a day my weight has fluctuated since puberty I'm currently carrying more weight than I would like I was diagnosed with lichen sclerosis is how I say it hopefully I'm saying that correctly earlier oh, this year, <laughs> <We have green>. <laughs> <laughs> but I've had symptoms for a few years. I just didn't really know what it was, so I ignored it. I try to follow a low oxalate diet and take bioceuticals Advocal 4, K2 and D3, half an hour before meals. I was diagnosed with osteopenia approximately four years ago after breaking my wrist in two places and having to have a plate and pins put in it. Did you just have like
1: glasses on it
0: then? <laughs> yes. God, I was on the borderline of a plate. Yuck. <laughs> I had Epsom bar when I was 15 years old and was hospitalized overnight due to extreme low blood pressure. I lived in London when I was 23 to 25 uh, and suffered from reoccurring tonsillitis for which I was put on penicillin. I would say approximately 10 to 15 times. Whoa. The unit I lived in had mould and was damp. My nails have pretty bad vertical ridging at the moment and my eyes show signs of leaky gut. She must be seeing a naturopath. <laughs> I have various veins in my feet. Oh, various, various veins. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I have many veins. No, I have varicose veins in my feet and ankles and lower legs. I suffer from anxiety occasionally and take herbs to combat that. Yep, yeah, definitely seeing a naturopath. I don't like to take pharmaceutical medication unless I absolutely have to. And I don't have any children but would like to have a family. So that was what Michelle sent through to us initially. Shall we chat a little bit about those first points that we've seen before we move into a little bit extra about the gut and the menstrual cycle
1: yeah i think it's kind of a little bit hard like there's obviously quite a bit going on here from a history point of view Mm -hmm. i think i probably should have asked michelle in the email like i guess like if she were to come into the clinic what her main focus would want like what uh, speak carissa what her main focus would be in terms of what she'd want us to tackle too because there's quite a bit in that isn't there like you know are we talking would we go more into that whole thyroid or lack of space with you know weight fluctuating is she definitely wanting to have a family so obviously is more hormones i definitely think there's a strong gut thing coming through and obviously Mm. with that history of like ebb or epstein-barr um as well and the antibiotics like there's obviously so i know you and i straight away are going to go straight to the gut but then i guess it'd be interesting to know exactly too like what her her health goals were for herself. actually that's really true yeah yeah
0: yeah because we actually besides her first mention of the weight um sort of up and down but yeah she hasn't actually mentioned what those main concerns are for her but i guess just even as far as you just said from what she's given us here the first thing that we both see is this really interesting health history so she's mm-hmm. she's had this congenital hyperthyroidism so obviously that's like already a major factor from birth but it's really interesting like even with that seeing that from roughly from this history she's given us that at her sort of early mid teenage years she's had the e bv Mm being hospitalized it's obviously been quite serious so we see that sort of quite strong viral assault there potentially as commonly seen there's going to be antibiotic use and then that time in london where she's had that recurrent tonsillitis and all of that penicillin so it's yeah i i guess i guess what i find really interesting as you move through this and then like you're starting to things see things like lichen sclerosis which is that heavily, like
1: obviously for anyone who doesn't know what that is? That's like just an inflammatory sort of skin condition it, where like the skin gets is it, is it white patches?
0: Yeah, it's quite and it's quite thick, thick pieces yeah. that will peel off, and it can often be around the genital area. Like yeah. it can be other areas, but it's chronically more in like those sort of damp or wet areas, right. and I guess.
1: Is it considered autoimmune or not? That's
0: exactly what I was going to say because it's really yeah. interesting that she's had these strong mucosal, I would say like these mucosal immune factors that are underlying and this kind of um, classic sort of assault of antibiotics and viruses. Mm. And then you see this autoimmunity starting to come yeah. through, which is interesting with the obviously the thyroid as well like not obviously being there and not having that that sort of support of that organ but yeah I thought that was sort of fascinating and the other thing I sort of I'll be interested in again it's not like she's sitting here we can ask her but I thought it was interesting she said she was on a low oxalate diet and I sort of put a question mark around that
1: well do you you kind of got to wonder if that's potentially depending on like who she has been seeing as a practitioner Mm. as well, like. You know, she obviously has mentioned too there that she's lived in, a, you know, a unit yes. and it was mold and it mm-hmm. was damp. So then, is there that sort of, you know, like oxalic acid? Like maybe she's yeah. done an oat test at yeah. some stage or something like that, and someone's kind of yeah whacked her on a low oxalate diet because of potentially oxalic acid or some mold markers coming back from an oat test? Like there's yeah. oh, Michelle, we need you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, Yeah, <laughs> there's and so if so many carrots, and then but the thing is, as always, which we're really passionate about is yes, we need to consider exc- exclusion of potential foods when needed but if that's needed or not because you know is she potentially excluding foods that she may not need to has there been a confirmed yeast or mold situation or i know that people will think about the interplay between oxalates and the immune system being compromised so maybe there's been some talk about that with another practitioner but I just think that would be something I'd be like, oh, I hope she's not just potentially cutting out things that she may not need to. Yeah. But, I, th- yeah, I think from this history here, very much, I like, from my sort of point of view, first and foremost, is I see that kind of really strong mucosal immunity that's been yeah. quite um, affected by this history.
1: And I think even, too, like, even, like, we're kind of, like starting to push in just obviously with the autoimmune side of it and just like the gut and depending on what's kind of brought in the oxalate diets and stuff, like probably – and obviously the absence of a thyroid gland, all of that kind of stuff, osteopenia, like there's just – there kind of is quite a strong inflammatory picture as well, sort of yeah. presenting itself as well. Hey, so like even if – like let's just say we we're going to pick some health goals for Michelle, like because <laughs> yeah. we don't have this. We'll just pick them. For you, what we think you need um, – so I think straight up we'd be looking at that whole gut inflammatory immune response like definitely going into the gut at that level for people who don't know heaps about Epstein-Barr um, or glandular fever as it's commonly known like there's typically like what I've seen anecdotally and you probably the same Jess um, is there's two categories of people with um, these latent viruses there's the people who just pick them up they're here nor there in terms of how they react they might have Had a little bit of a memory of picking up like cmv ebb which is obviously glandular fever ross river anything like that Mm. and it's here nor there in terms of how they react and then there's people who pick up these latent viruses and i feel like the people that get knocked by them so we're talking people who go yep no that really knocked me Mm. around that high school period or in my early 20s they're the people that really seem to struggle from an immune perspective later Mm, in life um so and I think that's probably part of our, you know, genetic predisposition to how we immunologically um, deal with things. But there's also, you know, how we deal with stress. And there's so many things that kind of, you know, dictate how these viruses behave later in the human body. But definitely potentially for someone like Michelle, who looks like maybe she has struggled with um, her glandular fever, then that we're looking at, yeah, that a big immune immune involvement later in life, so autoimmune potential chronic fatigue, which mm. obviously with the absence of a thyroid I'd really love to know what your energy's I like. Know,
0: right. Yeah.
1: Like there's there's so much just in that area. I'm hey? really like, interested
0: in even her earlier years before she was fifteen too, like having mm-hmm. obviously she's always had the medication, but how has her health been? throughout her childhood and leading up to 15 because often too when we see someone go down as you were just highlighting with something like EBV quite badly like you kind of sort of thinking about how was their health prior to this how was their immunity prior to this and without having obviously a thyroid gland there like you know it is to an element going to be putting her behind the eight ball a little bit I know she's got the synthetic hormone she's taking but you know it's not, essentially it's not really the same
1: the other thing the other thing i've become really interested in lately too just off topic but obviously i i seem to be getting a lot of people that are obviously have had um you know thy- thyro- thyroidectomies like partial mm-hmm. or full mm-hmm. so it, it's just the obviously turn this might not be the case for michelle cuz I'm, I'm obviously not an expert on someone who's born without a thyroid, but I'm assuming whether you're born without one or whether you have it removed later in life, essentially we're dealing with the loss of the gland and then mm-hmm. obviously having to maintain its function is, I think then there's probably needs to be a space too where it's not just about thyroxine because obviously, mm-hmm. like I, I know I've sent, been sending a lot of my clients to... Um, you know integrative GPs or thyroid specialists that actually specialize in the compounded hormone so the mm. T3 or the T4 so typically the T3 because that's the active form right yeah. is the one that we want but actually starting to get into that area for people in terms mm. of energy like so they still stay on their thyroxine obviously without the thyroid gland but then actually like getting someone who actually can layer over some compounded t3 and get the dose right for them and actually seeing some really good um results with that just in terms of weight loss like things where women have really struggled and they especially you know once we sort of get into our you know like our 35 plus years and into, you know before menopause sort of hits like that sort of what will we say are we are we middle-aged women i don't know what we class this as but like that's where we really start – I start to see a lot of my, my girls and my women like struggle with the weight loss and they are exercising mm-hmm. well and they are eating well but their thyroid seems to be the thing that's mm-hmm. holding them back and some of them don't have a thyroid, some of them have got Hashimoto's, some of them you know are on thyroxine or not or whatever but then actually getting in and utilizing someone who can use the compounded thyroid hormones mm-hmm. has been really useful. So it would be interesting to know if Michelle's ever dived into that space just –
0: Mm, no totally on a, agree on a side note <laughs> particularly with something like this like to have that extra level would be really really fascinating
1: and the, the other thing is too like we're obviously looking at like i just flipped through up three to her other notes as well because you started talking about her history prior to the glandular fever but her menstrual cycle so yep. like obviously if, if having children is potentially a goal um or you know something that she would like so like so um, michelle's 39 so that's not definitely too old by any means to have children i know by some people's standards it would be but it's definitely not Mm -hmm. um but obviously like if we're looking at potential um you know wanting to conceive or trying to conceive then we really need that that whole thyroid or lack of thyroid space but those thyroid hormones Mm -hmm. doing their thing for fertility um and obviously too like if you know there's a strong sort of menstrual history where we're potentially dealing with any sort of estrogen driven conditions or anything like that then the thyroid function or again, lack of thyroid function <laughs> become very important.
0: So yeah, for sure. Well, let's have a look at these extra points she sent through. So gut health, I have one bowel movement each day. Sometimes it can be every two days. So that's sort of interesting, isn't it? Or I mean, I know it's not always going to be super perfect, but it the fact that it can maybe relatively regularly not be every day, you sort of think about the functioning of those hormones From the thyroid side of the picture and maybe, you know, where is that sitting? Is it really at the best spot for her? Um, Anyway, I digress away. Uh, I would say it's four on the Bristol stool chart. I get bloated around my period a few days beforehand. I experience gas when I eat things like cabbage, chickpeas and some brassicas. Ding, ding, ding. What do we do with that? Straight away our little brains go. Menstrual cycle. I started menstruating when I was 13 years old. My cycle length over the past few months has ranged from 25 to 36 days and my bleed is six days. I've been experiencing a 7 out of 10 pain on the first day of my bleed recently and the pain radiates down my legs and is a heavy dragging feeling. (laughs) But I know I Those Like,
1: ugh. It's so
0: true. That pain that just goes. That dragging drags. Feeling, just, yeah.
1: God, I haven't had that for years, thank God. But,
0: but after yeah. that my one after that one day, my bleed is absolutely fine. I went on the pill when I was 18 for contraception and stopped taking it properly around 29. It didn't, it stopped working for me. I would just break through bleed. My old GP and I would have quite heated discussions about her (laughs) wanting me to go back on it, but I just wouldn't. I don't like the idea of synthetic hormones running around my body. Once, you know, you know, (laughs) like that. (laughs) Now she's also included a breakdown of her food here, but, um, I guess, or no, I'll mention the food and then we'll come back. So food, this is a general day. We've got a banana sesame pancake, which sounds delicious. Just made with some mashed banana and some, um, what else have we got in here? I'm seeing what the flour is. Gluten-free flour, sesame seeds, stewed apples, pears, coconut yogurt. Oh, my God. Peanut butter. basically delicious. Mate,
1: you are ripping
0: breakfast (laughs) That is awesome. Your decaf coffee with collagen and limes, mane Mushrooms. Wow or sourdough with scrambled eggs, avocado and rocket lunch, a salad with rocket cherry tomatoes, quinoa cooked in broth, carrot, cabbage, avocado, coconut aminos, and roast veggies, dinner, salmon and veg, chicken curry, which she makes from scratch, steak and veg, just depends on what she has, and snacking, apple, peanut butter, maybe some dried figs, water, two liters, maybe some dandelion tea, Supplements, obviously the meds. And then actually we talked about those supplements before, but there's some Amegas there, some Nordic naturals and Magopti by Orthoplex. Um, she occasionally has a Nervine calm if she's feeling anxious and it takes her a while to wake up in the morning. She's a big snoozer. Her energy levels at the moment oh, range from go. six to seven out of 10. She tries to walk a few times during the week, started doing Pilates um, four times a week. And I think that's pretty much it. Wow.
1: Interest, interestingly too, just while we are on it, she has actually emailed a copy of her latest thyroid results too, just so we can... I flick them Oh, yeah, yeah, weeks. yeah.
0: I see. Ah, oh, okay. So she's cool. actually got high T4. Which is interesting what mm, we're talking about with the T3,
1: right? Conver- I didn't even actually look yeah. at these. So yeah, so, what, so just... I can't remember if I've talked about this in a podcast, but just so everyone kind of knows, like you you have your thyroid stimulating hormone that stimulates the thyroid to work. Obviously Michelle doesn't have a thyroid, but um, that stimulates the thyroid to work. It produces T4. T4 is an inactive form of the thyroid hormone. And then under the right, um, Like the right circumstances, like under the right nutritional, like by, like anyway, you guys know what I mean. With the right nutrients involved, T4 will convert to reverse T3, reverse T3 through to T3, which is your active form of your thyroid hormone. So, we've actually got high T4 Mm. here with
0: the T3s in range. So it would be interesting to see what a reverse T3 would be like, actually. Just as far as how much is going down that pathway, but it is it is interesting. Like a T3, we've, we've kind of we have Carissa and I are both looking. There's a history of it, so we yeah. we can't see the history as much for T3. It hasn't been continually tested, which is interesting. Going back to what you're saying, by having I think someone who works really someone closely and managing properly. this is. I would want someone that was really all over this and taking my full thyroid panel every six months i'd want t3 t4 reverse t3 like antibodies yeah i want to see all of that as far as knowing that i'm getting the best (laughs) out of what i'm doing with any medication or anything supplemental to support this because oh man like it's it's such a Vital driver of so many functions in the body. So if it's not quite right, and I guess yeah. that's interesting. When right at the start, in all of this, she mentioned about her weight always being so fluctuating. Mm. You've got to wonder about how well this is being regulated. For her. she's always been on the same dosage. It sounds like of her medication, give or which take. Which
1: which I think is not like I'm gonna like the people I've seen do really well with managing their thyroid are the people that do have that. And obviously, we know we know the thyroid from a nutritional point of point of view and what what it needs to function. But when you're dealing with someone who's had a you know a thyroidectomy or born without mm-hmm. a thyroid or actually does have um you know like let's just say subclinical hyperthyroidism or Hashimoto's that. You know, just sometimes it does go beyond sometimes nutritional interventions and yeah. what you can do. Like I support the shit out of people's thyroids when they need it, but sometimes yeah. too, I'm like, all right, we like they're not losing the weight they need to. I'm like, right, we need to go and get you to see someone who will manage your thyroid on top of what we're doing. Usually with some sort of bioidentical compound. Yeah. And it's a game changer, but like you said, it's not just, okay, well, here's your thyroxine, here's your T3, see you later. Yeah. It's an ever-changing thing. Like, and yeah. as people lose weight, that needs to be adjusted and adapted to the weight loss. And then as people's energy improves, and so that it's, it is, it's someone who, you need that specialist overseeing even what we're doing from a thyroid point of view, like with the, you know, biidenticals and stuff like that. Oh, the compound and T3, sorry. And just, yeah, like checking in on it every three to four to six months and just then reevaluating their thyroxine and what else they're on to really get the best out of their energy and their adrenal function and their and their bowel function and weight loss. And exactly.
0: All yeah, for sure. So going back to the, the gut health area, I mean, there's not heaps there and we'd probably usually have a bit more questions and she doesn't have like major bowel movement issues and major bloating um definitely there's a sluggishness there that is a bit of a question mark if that's maybe thyroid maybe some
1: issues with the sulfurs depending on
0: exactly and that warrants more questions doesn't it it's like is this classic okay i get a bit of gas if i have a lot of cabbage or brassicas or chickpeas because i just ate a a load of them and i'm just a bit more farty or are we talking like a lot of gas production a a lot of distention a lot of maybe foul odor and upsetting her stools like i think there's knowing where that sits on the spectrum and if we're seeing a red flag about actually this is quite a lot of gas and discomfort from these foods then for us it's very much a sign that there's most likely an overgrowth of some sulfur thriving or loving bacteria and that's going to be interesting in relation back to that mucosal inflammation because if they're overgrown they're going to be quite toxic as far as the gases they're producing and how that might be influencing what's going on too but I yeah I definitely would want to know a little bit more about the nature of how bad that gas is around those foods before kind of going oh grow up. yep definitely it's overgrowth of sulfur bacteria we need yeah. to rip all those things out um, but yeah, it's how set- does she
1: go with garlic and onion and the other sulfurs like yeah. she might actually be fine with those so
0: yep. but it does raise a question doesn't it?
1: oh yeah shit (laughs) check
0: definitely there'd be a few more gut questions and the gut that sort of gut axis which I know we talked about in our case studies last time where she goes into a cycle a bit more and the fact she's starting to get this really bad pain on day one um you know we've we've talked a lot about how having really extreme pain and horrible periods is not normal inverted commas and the fact that she's starting to get a lot of this sort of really heavy pain like 7 out of 10 that's getting up there, that's getting up there. we're sort of yeah. starting to think about why like and I definitely first and foremost is in thinking about like if there's sort of extra sort of inflammatory congestion from that sort of gut liver axis point of view or as you were highlighting or what's going on with her cycle like her actual Hormones underpinning this. I mean, she's had the pill up until twenty nine, and like you know, it'd be very interesting to see a Dutch panel, wouldn't it? As far as yeah, hundred like, percent. Yeah, without
1: if, if, like you're definitely right though. Like it, it literally might not be estrogen, and it mm. might just be like gut and liver congestion. Like I feel yeah. like, right? Like, well everyone knows how much I bang on about estrogen and how it detoxes, but like yeah. not everyone has like phase one detox issues with estrogen sometimes it literally is just you've got like a really dysbiotic gut that needs a lot of love and you've got you know bacterial reactivation of hormones and you've got a a poor little liver that's just copped the brunt of a lifetime really in terms and obviously we're looking at anxiety as well so she definitely suffers from anxiety so you know anxiety itself puts you know just the breakdowns of those catecholamines which is your stress hormones um, puts extra burden on the liver as well yeah,
0: So yeah exactly so, yeah, a,
1: a Dutch panel would be cool because it would give us an idea of how much of this is actual more yeah like phase one and mm. maybe phase two issues or are we just dealing with phase two and phase three so obviously phase like liver and gut issues
0: Yeah and I guess we'd it comes down to what she's wanting isn't it if she I know she mentioned about maybe having a family like if it was a big priority here as far as wanting to have a family you'd probably be looking at that as something you might do sooner rather than later but there's certainly yeah. sort of questions that we'd need to pose first to working on that gut liver framework first before diving into that as we we always do. So yeah, it's it's sort of a, it's a really interesting one because there's <laughs> it depends on which direction she's wanting to go but if in in its majority with going through this and us just thinking about trying to optimize michelle's health like i just i keep coming back to that gut area i really do i think far I would be that. starting with
1: the gut straight yeah. up just with that Or like obviously for me like i just love to dive into that hormone space as well but as, yeah. I, as i've said before and everyone knows like you just you, you can't really get into the hormones without until the gut's ready for it anyway and yeah. there's just so, such a strong gut immune inflammatory sort of you know history and presentation happening still so Like in terms of like, you know, yeah, like what Jess was saying, but yeah, optimizing health for the future, like getting that right and really looking at building up a strong, healthy, robust gut from a – you know, a microbiome point of view and, you know, some and an immune point of view, like for long-term health, I think that would be where I'd really want to be starting and then getting into the hormone space if that was a priority with having babies and all that kind of stuff.
0: And I think if there was anything from a testing perspective, like maybe looking at a comprehensive stool test if we were looking at getting more information there, Um, but also I'd want to see some like really detailed work in regards to thyroid too just to sort of know exactly what we're dealing with there just start to even just like full blood pathology getting a really good breakdown of any sort of deficiencies that could be going on there's just a lot of sort of general sort of making sure we've got all the pieces of the puzzle here and then starting with the gut working there her diet is she's got a great fantastic diet yes we could You know, there might be aspects of this diet that we would change, but I think that's where I would be wanting to see more in that sort of functional stool testing space before. And obviously consultation like would give us more ideas before we would start pulling things out um because it's a beautiful well-rounded diet and we don't want to be pulling yeah, things yeah. out if we don't need to um i think the, you know she mentioned she has sourdough occasionally yeah. we would probably maybe look at that in relation to we thought there was that autoimmune factor with the gluten but again it would warrant a bit more investigation so yeah michelle please don't go pulling anything out of your diet <laughs> you're um, eating like a champ <laughs> yeah exactly so we hope we hope this has helped you michelle um yeah. it's a really <laughs> It's really interesting, obviously, yeah, we've highlighted some areas um, and we can see that you have, it sounds like, been working with a naturopath, whether you are currently or not. Um, But hopefully we've given you a little bit more food for thought. So, shall we move on to number two?
1: Yes, let's move on to number two. So, our next person is Tanya. I just always have a way to say Tanya because I have a sister called Tanya. Like, Tanya. <laughs> you
0: So do you. Really that you pronounce roll that? Yeah, yeah. At the end, don't you?
1: It's got a real like Aussie <laughs> yeah to it. As much as that would absolutely mortify, because Tan spent my sister Tan spent years even spelling. It's actually spelled the same as this lady, Tanya, so T-A-N-Y-A, mm-hmm. my sister decided when she was young she was going to change the spelling of her name to T-A-N-I-A, so it was a bit less ochre, <laughs> and she made a signature up and everything like that for years, and everyone's like, it's Tanya, like there's <laughs> no Tanya, it's Tanya. <laughs> Solves, mate. Born and bred Australian, yeah. <laughs> so
0: so, anyway,
1: so Tanya's is, oh, are oh, you happy for me to read this one? Go
0: for it. Take a breath,
1: because it's a biggie. If you want to tag team, let Um, me know. So, dear Carissa and Jess, my name is Tanya. I'm a long-time listener, and I thought I would share my case with you both. I'm a 35-year-old female living in Sydney. I first got my period when I was 13 years old, and right from the get-go, it was extremely heavy. It wasn't necessarily painful, although there was some soreness. However, the main issue was the extremely heavy and even clotty flow. It was so bad that I could not even make it from recess to lunch without a super-thick pad on, and I would leak through. By the time I reached fifteen I was ghostly pale and the room would spin when I would stand up. I went to my GP for a routine checkup and a blood test revealed that I was severely anemic. I still remember my doctor calling I still remember my doctor calling my house on a Saturday morning to tell my family that I was very sick and I needed to come back to discuss my health as soon as possible. I was put on the pill and double iron tablets immediately and I've been on the pill ever since. The pill has made a massive difference to my life and I was able to have able ugh, Chris and i was able to have what seemed like a normal flow i struggled to stay on the iron tablets as they made me feel sick in the stomach after i'd um and after i'd taken iron tablets for a while, while being just enough to pick my iron levels up again to a near healthy range i stopped taking them from the age of 16 i made the decision to become a vegetarian and i have since and i have since on and off throughout my life being a vegetarian however past the age of 30 i've taken it very seriously and checked everything for animal derived products and about my late twenties, a pharmacist encouraged me to stop taking a break from the pill, and did not, and I, and to not have my usual breakthrough bleed. He told me that there was no reason why I could not continue, why I could not continuously take the pill non-stop. That just makes me so mad. Anyway, I checked this idea with my GP and even a few GPs since, and they all seem to have the same reaction, being that they don't seem so too impressed by the idea, but they can't give me a medical reason not to do this. My pharmacist kept suggesting the same idea to me every time I went to fulfill my prescription and eventually I just caved and did what he suggested purely for the convenience that it would bring to my life. I started taking the iron tablets regularly again about two years ago and I feel much better in terms of my energy levels since being on the iron tablets again. The problem throughout my whole adult life is that my iron levels have never been within a healthy range for an adult. I have just barely scraped through into the healthy range since returning to taking iron tablets recently and by not stopping to have a breakthrough bleed. However, I can never boost myself to get high within the range. I know that I'm not taking it easy on myself by being a vegetarian. However, I I usually have a healthy diet, and there's no shortage of greens in my diet. My question to you and Jess is, what do you think the reason is behind my struggle to get my iron within a healthy range? I have listened to your podcast for a long time, and I'm aware that a breakthrough bleed is not actually a period. So could you please also explain to me the benef- what the benefits of having a breakthrough bleed would be if I were to go back to having a break from the pill, whether it would be once a month or even just once every three months. Thanks and love your work, ladies. Tanya.
0: Wow. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Tanya. <laughs> um, she's
1: got a bit more here, but it's more diet stuff, her supplements that she's taking. Um, a bit of gut health history in a separate email yeah, do, should we tackle the first
0: email? Yeah, let's sort of talk about Break this, that down a little this bit. first one it's um oh, where to start so <laughs> oh, it, it's sort of it's interesting to me in that she's had similar getting a period at this 13 years, which is I guess pretty normal these days and being really, really heavy from the start she's <laughs> I think the thing that stands out to me is that she's had obviously a chronic deficiency from such a young age. Like she's had these really heavy periods with extreme blood loss. And she has this like anemia that has developed as a result. And then as a, you know, inverted comma sort of band-aid. <laughs> element of treating this is where the ocp has came in and she has said it's made a massive difference in her life and i totally i totally get that and she sort of has had this sort of struggle from that point with taking iron on and off and um i mean then there's an element which we'll get into in a moment or i'll hand over to you because i know you (laughs) love to talk about that the fact of the break breakthrough bleeding or not with the ocp but before even getting into that it's to use the analogy again to me it's like she has been behind the eight ball from a very early sort of period. haha. <laughs> uh-huh. Like literally from her early teen um. years, she's been anemic and she's never really filled up the tank again. And
1: yeah.
0: the fact that she hasn't like, yes, the pill has come in to try and kind of help with the reduction of the blood loss. But the the fact that she's never really been able to lift it back up to within good range and then mm she's sort of been on and off this iron and then when she sort of had a period where she started to like go into taking it more regularly again which I think she was saying um about two years ago which isn't a lot considering how long this has been going on for it's like trying to i always often say to clients like you're kind of trying to fill up this really really empty tank and i get you know there's this vegetarian diet as well and i think even i have scanned this one ahead i know she there's a mention about b12 so she's gotten so deficient you've got to start to question about sort of further intervention here like i'm going to go straight to like i'm talking about she's probably someone who really needs to have like a a literally like an an iron infusion to get her ferritin Mm -hmm. stores up there considering how anemic and deficient she is and then to be maintaining with like diet and iron supplements but she's so bloody deficient like i just it surprises me throughout all of this that that hasn't actually been something that's been looked at they're
1: so bloody annoying though like the the you basically have to be on the floor dropping out
0: But she like was iron,
1: <laughs> iron through yeah, she was, yeah. You know, before they'll even consider giving you an infusion. And I think we yeah. I think there has to be some sort of consideration for someone like Tanya who has really struggled her entire life to get her iron up. Like obviously, you know, we could chat about the types of iron supplements that she's been on. Like if, yeah. if she was double dropping um, iron tablets when she was younger. I'm assuming it's just the stock standard FerroGrad because that's yeah. probably what was around when you know we were that age because her and I are similar age. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like FerroGrad was the stock standard iron that was handed out over the counter then. So it's probably double-dropping FerroGrad to get it up, which of course is going to make you feel like shit. It's a horrible yeah. iron supplement. So it's A, getting you on the right iron supplement, so something that actually agrees with you. Um, B, also making sure and not to, not to knock like the more vegetarian – Um, iron supplements but the things like I think a lot of people I'm not sure what Tanya's taking obviously but I have had a lot of clients across the years too and they tell me they're taking an iron supplement and they're taking something like FlorDex, or you know what I mean and is (laughs) that how you say it yeah and it's like
0: five I think it's like five milligrams of iron uh, yeah which
1: Um, FYI it's it's
0: usually at least 20 24 milligrams or micrograms milligrams that we are taking in a practitioner supplement
1: at a minimum, like, I yeah. prescribe 100.
0: Oh, I mean, like, in one tablet as far as yeah. That, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. But, like, so, like, so, yeah, it's in, it'd be interesting to know what type of iron as well, like, you know, you kind of, she's taken over mm. the history as well. But obviously there's some better iron supplements on the market um, than just good old standard Ferrograd. But then, um where was I going with that? Yeah, but then obviously, like, there needs to be a consideration for someone who has done all of this stuff who obviously doesn't want to eat meat, and that's completely yeah. fine. But, you know, at what stage, because obviously knowing how important iron is, not just for energy, but for so many other things, mm-hmm. um like, yeah, do, do, do you get a good specialist to just give you an iron infusion to get those stores up? Like, obviously, we probably, like, I know straight away you and I are probably going to consider gut function as well here mm-hmm. because there's potentially an element of something going on. With your gut, if you're taking iron supplements, you're not bleeding. Mm. Um, Granted, you're not getting any heme iron in your diet because you're not eating meat, so you're just getting non-heme, which is harder to absorb. We all know that. But there should be some with that coupled with an iron supplement, coupled with not Mm -hmm. bleeding, there should be some sort of boosting of the iron over a good, you know, six to twelve months. And if there's not, then you kind of want to know why as well, yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which is always. As you said, it's where we're going to sort of start digging next. It's if we're not getting, if we're not getting a rise in iron from supplementation, and we don't have um, blood loss occurring, then realistically, the next question has to come back to absorption. Um, shall we look at that next, or did you want to? Did you want to mention about? We can come back to it about the. Oh, we can
1: just go into the periods, like the the pill stuff. Oh, look. I don't have. I honestly don't have a scientific reason why. Um, I just think, like, honestly, if you are on the pill, you realistically should just be letting your body have a breakthrough bleed. I know it's not a real period, but it still is a break from those synthetic hormones. It still is an opportunity for your uterine lining to shed a little Mm, bit. Like, I just think, like, at the end of the day, like the, the the female body. Needs it is meant to have a bleed every month, mm. and I just think not allowing it to do that. Whether you're on the pill well, obviously it's going to happen if you're off the pill, but but not allowing it to do that on the pill is just basically bombarding the body with. Um, it depends on the type of pill that you're on, obviously. But obviously, if it is just an estrogen-based pill, then you can you constantly just have synthetic estrogens flowing through. There's no break from mm. those. Sometimes it's the the the, the split pill, so you've got the progestin and the east and the estrogen. Um, hormone as well but you just not i just think the body needs to have that break Mm -hmm. from it and it needs to shed some uterine lining like i just don't think Mm -hmm. having this stagnant area that never bleeds that continuously builds up it's probably not building up a lot of cells obviously if you're on the pill but like you know you're building up a uterine lining there you've got that sitting there it's meant to shed they're Mm -hmm. not cells that are meant to sit there for two to three to four years at a time Mm -hmm. um so i think and i yeah i don't yeah i wish i had like this Here's my scientific answer as to why, but I just think like it's just I don't know, like it's a it's a normal bodily function to bleed every month, and I just think like I know it's not a, a true bleed in inverted commas, like an actual period, but it still is allowing the body to have a break from synthetic hormone and shed a little bit of a uterine lining, which is what it's meant to do. Mm. The other thing is is just the flip side of what I have seen for people who. And this is not everyone, but again, it it's a bit of it's a bit of personal experience, but it's also a bit of like a lot of what I've seen in the clinic is the just the the levels of mental health and B12 and things like that that are affected by not allowing the body to bleed seem to be amplified when you skip that that breakthrough bleed. And that's definitely what I've seen for a lot of like my my younger girls, anyone who's B12 deficient. Um, It just seems, obviously, there's so much um, of your B12 and stuff that is used in the metabolism of those synthetic hormones that come from the pill. Mm, Interesting. yeah, and it just seems to be like anxiety seems to be amplified for a lot of maybe a lot more a lot of my younger girls, but the ones that I'm seeing that have been told by the pharmacist or told by their GP, I just don't ever have a period, yeah. and they're getting anxiety through the freaking roof or they've got, they're have got really depressed, and all of a sudden you just allow them to have that monthly cycle, even while they're still on the pill because they want to be on it, and that's cool. Yeah. But just it's almost just giving the body a little bit of a break, and all yeah. of a sudden they're feeling less anxious or less depressed because they get that bit of a relief from it. So mm,
0: Interesting.
1: I I suppose my see. opinion is more anecdotal. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Well, that's just,
0: you know, I, I think that's important. Like we have amazing research that is available at, um you know, at our fingertips, which is great. And we definitely pride ourselves on, on staying up to date where we can, but there's also a huge valuable benefit that comes with clinical practice. And, you know, between the two of us, there is a shit ton of years of clinical practice and <laughs> and, ton, and a lot of hundreds shit. and hundreds really and hundreds of clients. Really cool. um, and you you know in a way to me, it's like you you build your own meta-analysis over all these years. <laughs> so you see a lot and you start to see repetitive patterns, as you just pointed out and I, I just think that can be really valuable. Um, I think so
1: too. And I think just having that really good understanding of the basic biological function of the human body, which we do, like we, you know, from a biological and biochemical perspective, like we live and breathe how the body is meant to function or what it should and shouldn't be doing. And mm -hmm. I just think for me, like, one of the the foundational things of a female is that we are meant to bleed every month, like,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So that so whether you're on the pill or off the pill, but to me, that's very important.
0: So, do you want to do you want me to read out the next part, or are you happy to do her next breakdown of diet?
1: Let me read. All right. Um, here is a snapshot of my usual diet. Breakfast, eight a.m. to nine a.m. Either a spinach and feta omelet with two fried eggs and sautéed kale, almond milk wheat cappuccino. Then mid morning, another almond milk wheat cappuccino. Lunch is a mixture of roasted vegetables, so pumpkin, sweet potato, or miso eggplant. Yum. And two corn and zucchini fritters with aioli on the side or rye bread or a rye bread, cheese and salad Subway sandwich. Afternoon, either an almond milk, hot chocolate, or freshly squeezed orange juice or a sugar free Red Bull. Dinner, four PM, I like to finish Dinner at 4pm, wow, I like to finish eating early as I feel I fall asleep much quicker on a digested stomach. So dinner is either a brown rice burrito bowl from GYG, bloody love my GYG, (laughs) no guacamole as, as I have an intolerance to avocado, or a spinach feta and pumpkin risotto in Neapolitana sauce this is very you um <laughs> a mediterranean pasta with feta and chili and neapolitana am i saying that right neapolitana yep. you
0: are yes yeah.
1: i look at the italian girl i'm like am i saying that right jess i
0: thought i think it's usually spelt in, in i'm sure it's usually n-e-a like traditionally
1: neapolitana. oh yeah okay cool i'm um, so i'm saying it right yeah cool um, live So, yeah, Mediterranean pasta with feta and chili in the sauce. That sounds really good, too. Mediterranean salad with feta or tabbouleh as a side dish. Um, that sounds good, too. Um, and then um, this is dessert. So, blueberries or Greek yogurt with almonds, chia seeds, um, and fruit or two protein balls for dessert. I try and aim for at least one liter of water a day between breakfast and the afternoon. My bowel movements are daily and soft to pass but firm enough to hold their shape. Um, I don't experience any noticeable bloating. However, with the vegetables, unfortunately, comes the not so um, not so pleasant gas. Also, I've been slowly building my vitamin supplement intake over the last few years, and I currently take a probiotic, iron tablet, slow release vitamin C, B twelve, B six, vitamin K two, <laughs> vegan omega, magnesium, um, three quarters of the adult dose. Otherwise, I feel groggy. That's interesting. Um, Glucosamine and Grape C4, all by Blackmores. I take this all in the morning, about four days a week, with a Sustagen vanilla drink. Seeing as though I'm giving you a few more details, I felt that there were a few more bits of information that might be of use. I actually haven't read this at all. So, hang on, twice throughout my 20s, I tried to go off the pill to see if my period changed at all. The first period was not so bad and similar to what to that of what I experienced when I was on the pill. However, the time the second period came was ex- this extremely heavy flow Returned. Let me do a Dutch test. <laughs> because my body had not changed, I returned to taking the pill. About two years ago... A routine blood test revealed that I was very low in vitamin B12 and my doctor said that I might need to consider start taking start having B12 injections. Where's the iron injection from? Exactly. Off? Which is <laughs> what prompted me to start taking vitamins and supplements again as vitamin B12 was the first one that I began with. My vitamin B12 levels are now good. Thank you. And if you have any more questions, please don't wow. hesitate to ask me. Tanya.
0: Wow. Can I just... <laughs> well, there's a lot in that extra stuff. So I want to start with... Um the fact I'm going to talk about her diet and her sort of gut stuff first I think it's really interesting that you know she, I'd love to know more info about her digestion but her bowels sound like she's moving them they sound like they're probably on the softer side and the fact that she's style. talking about yes yeah, my favorite um and that she gets this sort of gas this unpleasant gas with just she's saying veggies in general so straight away there's a bit of a sort of alarm bell about like what's going on there and if she's having when she says veggies that's usually referencing more fiber that she's getting more of an upset gut so it makes me question the microbiome and what's going on there when we would sort of come back to what we we're saying earlier about just absorption capacity and then her food Her food's definitely, I mean, if there's gut issues going on, there would be things that we'd be looking at in here. But also I just want to point out something that might seem really simple but she might not have thought about is she's taking all of her supplements in the majority in the morning, including her iron, all together. And then she's also doing that. She's having coffee in the morning and then mid-morning. So she's taking her supplements with caffeine. And for someone who's iron deficient, like you really don't want to be taking that caffeine at the same time. So I would be straight away looking at your like dosage of iron away from that and trying to get, I would actually be trying to move a lot of these supplements where possible away from these coffees. I just wanted to like throw that one out there. Um, But yeah, dietary wise there's, there's foods in here that may be like just, I've sort of fallen lately into the habit of saying kind of like primary drivers as far as inflammation. If her, her sort of gut is unhappy, it could be just that she's having that sort of primary sort of reactivity to foods from an intolerance level. Maybe something just doesn't sit too well for her, or sort of secondary reaction that might be bacterial, like the food reacting more so on a um with that microbiome level, which might be why that sort of whole veggie space is starting to sit unwell. But it just it kind of starts to kind of ring alarm bells about if there's a gut component that might be part of why this iron isn't iron, absorbing yeah, as well because we have a bacterial issue then remember a lot of bacteria like iron as a fuel substrate and they'll be munching away on your iron <laughs> and <laughs> you won't be getting as much of it plus you may not be absorbing it as well because of what might be happening at that mucosal lining so that would sort of be my sort of sort of majors that I pull out of that area um, and then yeah it's <laughs> I think it's interesting when she talks about her sort of in her 20s of trying to come off the pill and then having this sort of which makes sense the first one wasn't that much of an issue but by the time things are kicking back in she's getting these similar symptoms again but geez it'd be interesting to know more about what is actually going on with her hormones underlying all of this like to be having these heavy intense bleeds that are being masked by the pill like what what's going on under here that may be able to be um looked at and supported with maybe maybe without the use of the pill um
1: interestingly i was just going to say too like i've had a couple of clients with a very similar story to this or you know not same same but same same but different and there is really a space um obviously you don't not just going to pull someone who's borderline no. anemic straight off the pill and throw them into heavy periods but going back to what you were saying jess like if you would if you address the gut and work out what's going on with the gut here get that iron get actually get those iron levels up i don't i don't really believe that it's it's not not possible to do that i think it's just taking the iron at the right time like you said so not with caffeinated drinks or teas um making sure you're obviously taking the right type of iron supplement fixing the gut looking after that looking after the gut from an inflammatory and a mucosal perspective so that absorption is optimized um and once you get the iron up then then there's the space for someone to come off the ocp which i've had to do with quite a few of my girls but in the background what i've done with these girls um or my ladies, my ladies, mm-hmm. um, that do potentially seem that they are more, you know, estrogen driven, like because mm-hmm. usually that more heavier, clottier, painful cycle is more associated with, you know, an over prevalence of, you know, estrogen um, or estrogen, like phase one or phase two, estrogen detox or whatever, but... Without going in with supplements like DIM, because obviously you wouldn't do that without knowing yep. that you needed to use it. But you can use some really nice, um, I've util- utilized PAGE in this instance, or some mm. just some good like herbal supplements, like yep. not going to name them, but that actually just work on leveling out mm-hmm. um, the hormones before someone comes off the pill. So sometimes I'll do three to six months of gut and hormone work in inverted commas with someone and building up iron before i even ask them to come off the pill obviously usually that's a goal for them and that's what they come in to see me for they're like look i want to come off the pill but i'm really anemic blah blah I'm like cool okay we've got some work to do what's your Mm -hmm. gut function like so we talk about the gut so there is that whole thing but it's so possible to come off the pill Mm -hmm. and then by the time they do you've got the iron levels up so if they do get a couple of heavy bleeds they've got a buffer yeah right Um, but it's also then as soon as you've got those two to three bleeds, you can whack a Dutch test in there, find out what's going on with the estrogen, find Mm -hmm. out what's going on with the androgens, the phase two liver clearance and get them on supplements. And, those supplements are effective pretty quickly. Yeah, they are. So it's in terms of really reducing the amount of blood flow, the amount of clots, and all of that that yeah. are happening. So there's some really nice leveling out supplements and nutrients and herbs that we can use. And then once we, you know, it might just be two or three heavier cycles while we get mm. some information. But you've got that iron up as a buffer, all those ferritin levels up as a buffer, so you can afford to lose a little bit again while we nip this yeah, in the butt
0: So true. And I yeah, it, it's interesting. Just reminded me with what you're saying there, like. Again, sort of from that anecdotal point of view of working with women who are wanting as a goal to come off the pill, but you're sort of having that space to work for three to six months prior to where there's there's these underlying inflammatory factors and often a gut component where you, you do a lot of groundwork in working with improving the gut, getting the diet really great, and reducing inflammation that it can be quite amazing and profound to see when they do finally come off the OCP, it's particularly in the state. Exactly. Just naturally you have shifted things because yep. you have taken that congestion and inflammation away and had actually a really big impact on the um, detoxification processes and what's going on with potential recycling of hormones, Has you know, that whole um, environment has been changed within the microbiome so it's you know there's this sort of like fear that I, I can just it just comes to the forefront of my mind of certain clients like just so there's fear of like getting to that point going okay it's d-day let's do this and then yeah. okay, then coming off um, and finding that like things aren't what they used to be like they have fundamentally yeah. shifted and we see that with women that come in the clinic that aren't even flagging like hormone issues as is their main thing. It's just through consult. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I've got a pretty congested, clotted period. Yeah, I get a bit of pain. And three to six months into treatment on their gut, because that's what they're there for, they're like, wow, my periods are great now. I don't so get like manageable. my yeah. swollen, tender breasts and my headaches anymore. So, yeah, it'd be sort of fascinating to sort of see how much underlying is involved. But then definitely what you're saying, like, build her up. Get every, get that sort of solid foundation first, and then if she, if she wanted to, you could look at that shift and getting in and actually treating the underlying factors. Because I don't doubt, given how long this has been going on for, and that sort of, you know, this sort of early onset as far as these symptoms, that there's probably some really foundational hormonal work that needs to be done. Yeah. Um, and I think lastly, the I sort of it raised it raised my sort of sort of peak. For a minute but then I think it might be just dietary the fact this B12 was low because when I think when we sort of first read that you think about digestion again and absorption but I, th- it sounds like it's in the past two years and it might be just off the back of this diet and the fact she's been a vegetarian for quite a while now and she won't have been consuming B12 so I, th- yeah. it sounds like it's probably more dietary based than absorption issues yeah So the
1: other thing a- the other thing is, too, depending, like, I know Tanya's obviously very strict vegetarian at the moment, uh has been, sorry, for the last, like, for the last few years and things like that, too, but there obviously is the space, too, depending on the person, and this may not be the case for Tanya, um, but obviously, too, to utilize in terms of iron, like, obviously, like, the beef liver and stuff like that. Like, I know we chatted about that in other podcasts, but that is something that you do, see so just using those heme iron sources mm-hmm. to get iron up for a short-term thing like i definitely know some of my bejo clients are open to. do you mean so as a supplement actually, As a supplement, yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. it's yeah. such a it's an individual thing isn't it some so clients are yeah. uh, happy to do that for x amount of time to get to a point and then make the changes back but um others just aren't willing to budge so it's just being Obviously respectful of that, but yeah, it is. Yeah. It is kind of like when you've got your your toolbox of all the things, and you've been. It's like you've got to leave your like really awesome new hammer <laughs> in the toolbox. Which is <laughs> <laughs> like, you're just like, oh, but but there's this really good pate recipe. You could be like having. Just
1: <laughs> gonna leave your hammer. <laughs> Throw your tools out of the box.
0: <laughs> awesome. Ooh. Well, I think that sort of sums that one up. Um, hopefully that's been helpful for you, Tanya. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, we, uh, I'll start that one again. I think, as you said, Carissa, we've got a few case studies that are still in our um, sort of emails ready to tackle at points. But if you are listening and you're thinking you'd like us to discuss your health history slash concerns um, in this space as we've sort of referenced it before the meaty case study (laughs) we're sort of looking (laughs) looking for those really in-depth cases where there's a lot going on so feel free to to email the clinic with that Um, if it's raised any questions specifically like if there's areas that you relate to or you've got any queries about what we've talked about today you can Probably reach out to us best at um, our social media handles, and it, all of that is linked in the show notes. But otherwise, I think that's a wrap for today. Um, that's I, a
1: wrap for a Saturday. Wrap
0: for a Saturday. This is a Saturday. It's actually sunshine here, so I'm pretty keen to get out and bathe in it like a
1: lizard and get
0: yeah, some nice. vitamin D. <laughs> nice.
1: I'm going to pull everything out of my garden. <laughs> you know when yep. you're just kind of at that stage where well not everything but I've just like it's at that stage where I'm just ready to do my you know spring slash summer planting a little bit I'm not yep. a little bit late off the bat but everything is just kind of starting to look a bit ugh and yeah
0: we're in the yeah, process of it that needs,
1: it's, yeah it just needs a good turnover I'm going to leave my rocket and stuff like that but I'm going to go pull out all those Asian greens and probably that Tuscan kale what the oh, hell would you yeah. do with a shit ton of Tuscan kale Jessica? Oh
0: my <laughs> god I'm so jealous Well, I
1: give me some ideas
0: so you can. um, Oh, besides just massaging it and just devouring it as salad, (laughs) I love it like that. But um, have you have you done the classic? Just throw it in with your roast veggies in the last till it's all crispy. So there's that. But the other thing is, it's awesome for pesto. Like, just make a big. Yeah, I was
1: thinking about making an awesome pesto.
0: Have you got um? Have you got some other? Herbs that you could throw in with it. It's nice kale pesto on its own is just quite nice, but or even just kale with like some olives and some lemon. Just blend it all mm. in together, like chunks of lemon to get that sort of lemon zest through it, and heaps of olive oil yeah, and garlic. De-
1: yeah, do something. I might do something like that. And then someone else, one of when I put this out on Instagram a while ago, someone else sent me this really nice um recipe link. It's like an Indian dish.
0: Oh, yep, yep.
1: I Forget what it's called. Like um,
0: palak sag.
1: Yeah, uh maybe. No, cool.
0: maybe. Because you can do well, Palak, There's uh, there's a cookbook with a really good lamb shank no, recipe I'm for that. About that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's usually spinach, but it's like a green, a really beautiful green curry that you simmer the meat or the tofu or whatever in, but the the base of it is just like a whole load of greens that are blended up. Usually, with like cashews and spices for the creaminess, but you could oh, do that with the kale. Like me. Oh my god, it's so delicious! And you could put some in a post bag and just send it down here. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> our kale is starting to take off, but it's still just like, I've it's so cold. Tons. Help us. <laughs>
1: I've got crap tons. It's at the stage two, you know, when the stalk starts to come out of the ground and it's like becomes its own, like, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it needs to be. I was definitely thinking of pesto, and then yeah, some sort of yeah. I love it when it crisps up. I was just gonna spray it with some olive oil spray, and then just put some like um, you know, just like some um, like some stock powder or something, like just like a bit of chili salt or something like that to roast and just put it in the oven.
0: Yeah, or oh, we've have you done that with nutritional
1: yeast on it? Yeah, I could Except actually do that. Nice nutritional yeast, but I can definitely go buy some.
0: Yeah, that's quite oh, nice. Yeah, nutritional yeast. <laughs> I know.
1: I freaking love it, eh? This is why I go through it because when I have it, it just goes on freaking everything It's into everything. Like, I buy a bag of it. It's just gone. All
0: right, let's wrap this up.
1: Yeah, okay, sorry. I forgot we were actually still talking. I know, maybe
0: I may edit this part out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave it in there. All right, guys, thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.
1: All right, bye.